on Sunday, May the 10th, 2020, at midday, people walked over to Parliament and stood on the steps exercising their rights. The day before, I got in contact with a gentleman called Craig Cole to find out more information about the event that was going to be taking place on the Sunday. Once I learned about his arrest, I contacted him and asked him if he would like to come on my show and talk about his story. This is an exclusive interview. He has not had any mainstream interviews visually. He was on 3AW speaking to Eddie Maguire for like six minutes, but this one is going to be a full version, uncut, no editing, real, raw interview on Zoom for you to learn more about Craig, where he's come from, his work, what he does for the community, what happened on Sunday, and his vision for the future for the people. Welcome to Yummy Mummy Podcast, a health and well-being show inspiring you to bring out your best self and live a delicious life. Before we begin, I'd like to read a disclaimer, and this is on behalf of myself and Craig. Notice to all media, persons, men and women, corporate, living or otherwise, the following interview is not to be edited or used for corporate purposes. Re uh, reasons, financial gain or other non-approved agendas under any circumstances without the express written consent from the living men and women who are directly involved in this interview. Please feel free to share it as long as you are not part of the media or gaining financial, financially from doing so or part of any corporate structure. This is by the people, for the people, of the people and shall always remain so unless with express written consent from those directly involved in this interview, failure to comply with the above mentioned notice will result in personal, private, criminal and civil prosecutions. Very well said, Lisa. And yes, thank you. And I 100% reiterate that. Thank you. How are you? Great. I'm glad I've got you here because when I first met you, we were talking about meeting each other on the Sunday, which I couldn't meet with you. But here we are, we're meeting online and maybe in the future we'll meet in person. But for now, I, I love having you here. Thank you so much for joining me online to tell us your story. We're going to look at other areas. I'd love to know a little bit more about your childhood. What has made you become the person you are today? We're going to look at your what you work, what industry you work in and how you're helping the people, which is very inspiring. And we'll touch on lockdown. I think that's going to be kind of one of the biggest ones. And then lastly, mm. I'd love to know your future mission, the vision you have for the people when it comes to their human rights. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, well, firstly, thank you so much for the opportunity to come on and speak and, um, I'm full of respect for what you do and, and you as a person in the community as well too. So great job um, from, from by yourself, um, full of much admiration. So yeah, it's funny uh, what, what 
builds people or what uh, makes people be the people they are today. It's, um, you know, it's life and life experiences and mm. the way we navigate through life and the people that we meet and the effects they have on them. It's, it's a snowball effect and um, um, you evolve as a person. And um, like I said in a post I put this morning, uh, we're all flawed. We all have our weaknesses. We're human beings. That's what part of a human being is. And uh, part of a human being is self-assessing and growing and um, getting rid of your, your bad habits and your restrictive growth habits as well too, I think is important as well too, to, to acknowledge that within yourself before you want to try and shoot down other people as well. So, which I find a lot of that's happening these days. And for a so-called tolerant society, we seem to be more divided than ever we, uh, ever improve in we ever have been before is what I'm trying to say and it's it is really sad so my and I don't mean sad as in sad people it's just sad for our society um so part of what I'm I'm trying to achieve here and our group our page community page is trying to achieve is, is bringing people together and sometimes that might not appear that way but We'll eventually get there in the long run. You know, uh, like I said in, in a previous post, Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption, but uh, keep chipping away. But uh, it's not going to take us 30 years. <laughs> we haven't got 30 years. So, but just with my childhood um, and where I'm coming from, and just for anyone new that's watching me for the first time, um, thank you for listening for starters. Um, try and get past the rough appearance and the rough head. It's, I can't do much about it. It's what I'm working with. Um, but I think that's part of our problem as society as well too. We look at people like icebergs and we just judge the surface where the volume of the iceberg is underneath the surface and that's where we need to look. Um, so I think we need to start opening our minds up a little bit more. But I, when I was 10 years old, I, uh, my, we lived at the back, at back of a big uh, valley and at the back of our uh, property was uh, a dirt road that the fire trucks, the ambulances, the council vehicles used to use. So it was a council road um, that they used to use. And dad was deliberately run over. He was out the back one time and uh, deliberately run over by three teenagers on motorbikes. And uh, nothing was ever done at the time. No charges were pressed or, or investigations made because one of the teenagers' sons was a sergeant at the... Uh, or sorry, one of the teenagers' fathers was a sergeant at the local police station, so it all got swept under the carpet. And people might say, well, how do you know that? Well, when, you're a when you grow up to be a teenager and, and, and uh, you know, the local kids talk in the local area, so, you know, see, things don't be uh, kept a secret after a while. Um, so dad was in hospital for the next nine to 12 months, uh, nearly lost uh, his leg from the knee below um, and had rehab uh, and in and out of hospital. Uh, while that was happening, apart from all the investigation being swept under the carpet, uh, the, the government at the time was trying to deny the family compensation, uh, weaseling out saying it wasn't on a, a road so they didn't know the family anything. Um, so mum had to be in and out of court with a 10-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter and her husband in hospital trying to save his leg and recover from that and trying to get money for the family. Now, this is not a sob story, but I think it provides context to where I'm coming from and why I'm so passionate about the community. Um, so, and I don't need counselling, I'm completely fine. It, but what it has done since the age of 10 is, is, is made me never trust the government or, or be wary of the police. Now, that doesn't um, obviously pertaining to all police. There's some fantastic police officers that do a great job out there in the community. 
but there are a lot of ones that have ulterior motives as well too. I think it's really important that we, we bring up the kids at protests now. We talk about that a little bit because I think your, what you've experienced as a child has made you into a man today that is standing for the people and helping them. And a lot of people saying, you know, parents should bring, bring their children. Now, I'm one of those parents that, you know, I question, do I bring my child or not? You know, but if you weren't exposed to that as a young child when you were 10, going in and out of court and your mum speaking to different lawyers and understanding the laws and the rights that she has, then you wouldn't be the person you are today. So, you know, so we, we don't want to go back and change that. You know, what if back no. then people saying to her, no, Mrs. Cole, you cannot be bringing your son to court with you, then, yeah, we wouldn't be having this discussion. So I want to make that uh, quite known for people to understand. Yeah, it's not, I'll just clarify that point. Mum wasn't dragging us, like physically dragging us in and out of court, but she did have to get us minded and did it when we were at school and things like that. So, you know, that's extra stre mental stress for um for, uh, for mum at the time, obviously, and uh, she was a very brave, strong woman. And uh, I get, a, I think I get a lot of my uh, backbone from her because she stood her ground a lot on things and, uh, yeah, yeah, spoke her mind and wasn't afraid to speak her mind. Yeah, totally understand. I resonate with you because it's not like I brought my daughter with me to court. However, she was there when I was doing all my research for myself when it was coming to my separation through domestic violence. So and also parenting court orders to know my rights and, and his rights and her rights. And, um, and there were times that she did come with me to the police station so I could um, make my statements. So, you know, yeah. children, what are we meant yeah. to do? Are we meant to keep them at home and bubble wrap them? I wasn't bubble wrapped and I'm the person I am today for it. Same with yourself. So, okay. uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, Lisa, this is one of the big things that I talk about when I do my role with uh, um, young people and it's resilience. And so much, I think so much of the way uh, the young people are these days suffering anxiety and uh, um, other mental health issues with young people, I think it's because we've taken the resilience building skills out of them. Um, we bubble wrap them too much. And I understand from parents' point of view, and look, I don't have any kids myself. Um, so people say, well, you don't understand. I find that comment um, a bit perplexing at times as well too, because um, I'll get back to that later, but with the resilience building skills, we bubble wrap them so much. So how do they, how do they get tough? Like no parent wants to see their kid hurt. I get it. But, you know, falling over and skinning their knee or, or you know, or, or, or hurting themselves in some way, it toughens them up. Um, and gives them that resilience to get through life later on because, and it's the conversation I have a lot with teaching staff is that, well, okay, so we protect, we protect, and I have a lot of teaching staff agree with me as well too. So if we protect, protect, protect too much. And then when they get out, this is what's happening with uh, young people that are leaving school. They get out into the big world and find that it's not forgiving. There's no excuses. There's no participation certificates just for turning up. It's, you know, it's the cold, hard, real world. And a lot of them sadly aren't coping because, you know, the system fails them. And, uh, you know, even people, 
uh, you hear a lot of millennials and Gen Y say, well, it's the boomers' fault. No, I don't like people being put into boxes. I think we get put into boxes way too much as it is. And so, yes, look, we, we have failed him in some regards because I feel a bit guilty right now not speaking up about these sorts of things earlier on. So we're in the position we are right now because, you know, we've let things slide because we get so damn busy. But So that's part of my resolve right now is to say, well, I'm trying to make up for inaction of the past. And, um, you know, yeah, um, young people, our generation has failed you in, what, in some ways. Not in all ways, in some ways. And we're just trying to make amends for that now. And so, you know, any young people watching this that might be dubious and buying into the whole COVID thing, um, you know, we're trying to help you here as well too and, and guide you through it and, uh, and make you aware. So knowledge is everything, Lisa. And uh, it was actually uh, the, the high school I went to, good old Bloody Park High School, um, was on our emblem, Knowledge is Power. I don't know if they still have that or not, but I hope they do um, because it's right. Knowledge is power. And when you get knowledge and you gain knowledge, and a lot of people in life aren't physical sort of people, a lot of young people don't... Uh, don't aren't sport minded all the rest of it and, and so they can't get grow their confidence through their sport so where do they go their confidence okay so gain knowledge learn things so once you start to learn things you begin more knowledge you become more knowledgeable your self-confidence starts to rise your self-esteem starts to rise because you're able to have more enlightened conversations and feel confident about the conversations and the information you're putting forward so that's how you can grow your self-confidence there so we're all different learners. Some of us are, you know, visual learners. Some of us are learn from a textbook, um, and that's fine. But um, and, and so that's one most, most people learn from experience. Exactly, that's the biggest learning tool in life, isn't it? Experience, yeah. Yeah, and you know, you said before that you feel guilt um, because you're speaking up now, yet you know that you could have spoken up years ago. I just want to shed some light there and say that you have been um, building up this knowledge so that you can speak now. So don't feel guilt. What you've been doing in this whole time is preparing yourself. You say you're building your yeah. place to be where you are now. And, you know, the things that you've been doing, like the organisation that you work for is very important for who you are today. Um, you know, you're helping so many children in schools. Can you tell us about this organisation, the program that you work for? Yeah, so I won't mention the name at this stage out of respect for the company and, and my face has been painted in a negative light in the media. So I'll just keep them out of it now to due respect to the people that work there. Um, you know, which is sad that I've got to do that, but... Um, but yeah, we're a wonderful organisation and we go into schools and uh, we help young people. And we also help young people in community organisations and I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one work in the community as well too. With, uh, I work as a carer as well too for on a, uh, every Sunday and I'm, I'm really missing him um, a lot. A young fellow with, uh, um, who's suffering from... Uh, I'll just forget the name of the uh, the illness at the moment, um, but he's in a wheelchair and um, he's a great young fella. And uh, I really, uh, I won't mention his name, but he already knows who he is. Him and his dad uh, and his uh, sister, they're great people. Um, so that's what, what I do and, and other um, members of our organisation do as well too. So yeah. we're about all people. 
community. So, um, yeah, so that's that's in, in, in essence for a simple sort of explanation. That's, um, yeah, that's what we do. I had a look at the organisation. I'm really proud that this is available to schools. It is a non-for-profit organisation and, yeah, we can't say anything just yet, but I myself will uh, help in some way and try and um, let people know more about it when I hear people that have children that are going through trauma and they're finding it difficult because I know this organization also helps those children to excel in their schools but at the moment you can't go into the schools to help them so I'm hoping this lockdown gets lifted so let's talk about yeah. lockdown yeah how long we got <laughs> so you know what I want to know I want to know your thought process like from the moment you heard about the restrictions, um, or maybe even before then, when you started hearing about this, uh, I love how you call it, COVID. <laughs> I say COVID still, but tell me, yeah, where did this all start? <laughs> Pardon? Where did your thought process begin? I wanna pick your brain, I wanna know more about this process. It's very fascinating. I like to call it, I get picked up all, all the time, it's, it's COVID cracks and I call it COVID because there's such a void of information at the moment on it that uh, we're being um, led down the garden path on or deceived about. Um, so that's just my little uh, cryptic sort of smarty pants take on it, if you will. So, um, but yeah, divergent, look, I find it confusing that we are in total lockdown over an illness that has taken less than not even 0.5% of the population. And, and sincere condolences to the people and families who have been affected. Um, but there's so many different reports. Now, I'll get onto that later, but you just wanted to know my initial thoughts. Mm. So, also, this virus apparently has a 98% survival rate. So with a 98% survival rate and affecting less than 0.5% of the population, I don't understand what the fear and the panic is over. I understand that people, the elderly, young people with respiratory problems and people with respiratory problems overall need to be a little bit more vigilant. Um, and that's completely understand that and we need to be vigilant around them if we've got a bit of a cold or whatever. I just look at it like this way. If, how about we approach it this way? Let all the fit and healthy people out. Now, and people might say, well, that's risking lives and save, stop the spread. There's so much conflicting information about this way this thing spread to start off with. So we've gone into panic mode, I think, and just pulled everything in so tight. It's like, use the analogy, well, if you're worried about well, if we let people out, it might do this, it might do that. Well, let's just keep all the cars off the road because someone might lose their life on the road today. You know, I mean, that's that's the same rationale that they're using here. Um, but it's hard to stop the spread. Well, well, look what's happened in other countries. Well, in other countries, there's reasons for that. I mean, we're hearing uh, reports from all over the world that doctors are being uh, forced and coerced into putting the uh, COVID death, if it's not a COVID related death at all. Like someone might be tested positive for COVID, but about a history of heart, lung, and all um, other associated problems, and they've died from that because they tested positive to COVID. I don't know if it was the COVID that killed them when the symptoms of their death and the cause of their death and the circumstances of their death 
have uh, got nothing to do with the COVID related symptoms, but they're still being put down on the death certificate. So you know, that's got to raise suspicion alone. It's not just from one doctor, it's from a whole range of doctors from all over the world and here in Australia as well too, but they're all um, too scared. Most of them are too scared to speak out. I'm just glad some are. Um, so yeah, the 0.05%, is that Australia or globally? I'm done me on the actual figure, but the last figure I looked at yesterday was even below that. I'm being conservative there. So, and, but that's it's globally. Much lower. Yeah. It's much, much lower. Much lower. And yeah, globally. I'll look into it. And then what I'll do is I will um, put in the description what, as of date, what the actual global rate is for everyone to right. know. Now, the damage it's doing to the community in terms of finance, I mean, even if we just packed it up all now, right now, and said to people, okay, go back to your normal business and all the rest of it, the damage that's already been done is going to be long-reaching. I mean, people are losing their businesses of 20 years. I mean, the, the mental stress as well, too, the mental stress of... And I even spoke to you about it, Lisa, about you know, the mental stress on, on parents having watching their mortgages um, and, and pressure from there, their financial situation, their own pressure of keeping the family together, now their own pressure of having to homeschool their kids and try and be a teacher for their kids as well too. It's too much. It's oh, too much. I'm here, I'm a parent and I've had to defer my studies that I was um, doing. It was on online, it was face to face, but it's online. I had to defer because I'm not one of those learners that learn online, I need to be in the room. And um, my, my podcast, I'm not going weekly anymore, maybe every fortnight or every three weeks. It is a lot harder. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's very tricky. I do have a mortgage, so I did contact my bank and I contacted Centrelink and I changed things around. However, for me, I have systems in place that I've been following for a long time that has kept me uh, uh, safe in the sense of mentally healthy and emotional and yes, I had my former partner refusing contact at the time, not understanding that the law said you are still, you have to keep following the court orders, otherwise you're breaching. And eventually he has. And I thank him so much that he's now finally Good. able to say enough's enough. I'm getting back on with my life. But it took seven weeks. Yeah, can I just make a point on that as well too? Um, one of the, and just make a plea to parents. I see a lot of damage to young people that's done and a more and primary and high school of um, to, to the children when partners split and parents split and they use their kids as a pawn in their own uh, uh, own arguments to you know once again and I suppose I said it before about right or wrong we've got to stop looking at things like it's right or wrong and find out what's appropriate so just a plea to all parents out there whatever beef you've got with your ex-partner put the kids to the side and stop using them as pawns because you do not realize the damage you are doing it is too confusing and and the way i explain something to you as an adult you've got the maturity and the knowledge and the life skills behind you to understand that you young people don't understand and kids take it personally or they must have done something or mum and dad are leaving and breaking up because of me i've done something that's the way a lot of them look at it and it is so wrong and and parents put your egos to the side with your ex-partner no matter what they've done i mean okay so in, in instances of the uh, domestic violence and things like that the situation is different okay i'm not talking about that 
I'm just talking about when there's been no domestic violence, the, the obviously the situation with both adults is, is not workable anymore and they just come to a split. I'm talking about those situations, not the domestic violence ones in a kettle of fish in, in, in a time. Oh, that's so. fine. No, that's fine. Look, I want to add in there to say that even though um, I have... Uh, picked up all the pieces and screwed my head back on and now you know I'm a podcaster a blogger an author and I'm running my own mentorship programs and I'm you know I'm out there helping other people manifest the the lifestyle they desire um yeah my daughter still like we had drama and she created a whole drama scene that I sat back and and had to think twice about it and asked her this feels like a reflection of what's going on inside of you do you wish mummy and daddy were still together? And she said, yes. So even though her parents are amicable and we have a parenting plan in place and she's loved so much on both sides of the family and we don't speak bad about each other mm. to her uh, kids still, no matter what. I remember one of my cousins saying that even as an adult, even knowing how much happier the parents are separated, she still wished her parents were together. And it got me thinking that no matter what these children, no matter what's going on, if there is domestic violence or not, they just don't understand. They All they want no, is their mummy and daddy to be happy and together. Yeah, That's all they, they want. They don't. And if you sit down and try to explain it to them and think that you're, you're explaining, and you might be explaining it the best you can, but what adults need to understand is the way a child will interpret that is completely different to the way an adult will interpret that. Well, maybe not completely different, but different because they interpret things differently, young people. Okay, so you've really got to be um, very simple and very basic in your, me in your messaging and don't overload them with too much information because once you start overloading, you just, just feed them in little dribs and drabs and but give them that bit of information. Your feelings too, Craig. Like if you feel yeah. resentment towards your former partner and you're not saying anything in earshot, they still feel that vibration and yep. you still have that sense that mummy and daddy don't yep. love each other. That's why I've done a lot of work yep. on loving my former husband unconditionally for what he has done to me. And so when I do my blogging and vlogging, I say the same thing as you. Oh, don't feel sorry for me. Don't pity me. I'm trying to help you to understand that, yeah, yep. maybe there was a blow to the head and I recovered from that physically but guess what i actually evolved from that emotionally and mentally you and i thank him all the time thank you for doing that because maybe you know somewhere along the way i didn't see at the time that there needed to be a change within myself and that needed to be the knock on the head for me and a lot of people are gonna like go what the this girl's crazy however i've done a lot of work to understand like you said there's no right and wrong it's about being appropriate taking those appropriate exactly steps forward and for me in that, that time old... I needed to look within and move forward without him and I'm glad I did that that was the appropriate uh, movement I've actually got that up on the screen here it's called survival identity I'm sure you're aware of it um you, you, you smirk and you're yeah, not telling me this. All the, um, I did all through so many different companies uh organ non yeah. organizations where it was like uh, separation after violence separation after um something no I think it was like building your family after separation and oh, yeah. any kind of workshop yeah. that was out there, I jumped into it because I am one of those people. I want to understand what's happened and then I want to move forward. Moving forward, what's next? Let's just keep growing. Oh, Lisa, I think we spent, look, we, we have to look at what's made us 
we have to look at circumstances and how that affected us at the time. But I think a lot of us dwell on that too much rather than, okay, what's next and moving forward. I think we stay stuck in the past too much and don't try and, and hold on to that and don't try to move forward and evolve and, and uh, progress. Excuse and that's me. what's happening <coughs> in the lockdown as well at the moment, even though there is a restriction lift um, in that time when it was fully locked down, a lot of people were in their home and they're too scared to leave their house. They're not moving forward in the in physically. All right. Don't leave the house physically. That, that's how you feel, but let's mentally move forward and know our human rights. Know that we can break the rules without breaking the law. So part of 100%. So, all right. So let's just talk. Let's just uh, talk about the the lockdown. So, the the cure cannot be worse than what the disease is. And at the moment, the cure is ten times worse than what the disease. The suicide rates, as I understand it, are higher than the COVID rates. COVID rates. Now, that's not saving lives. That's taking lives. And it seems to me that the people suffering mental health issues in the community, which are a group of people uh, that need our help the most, them and the elderly need our help the most in the community. And they're being abandoned and the elderly are being abandoned with, you know, so many of their loved ones not being able, and these not being able to see them. And these people, some of them have got their own, um, so they're elderly stuck in these nursing homes and being told that, you know, you, um, your parents, your son, your daughter, your grandkids can't come see you unless they inject poison into their bodies. So it's Even just... under 16-year-olds aren't allowed to go visit a nursing homes at all. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been told for my grandmother. Um, now... Yeah. For the moment, the that is. What's the problem with, if they're worried about it, what's the problem with visitors putting on gloves and a mask and going to see? If that's if that's what the concern is, if the masks work apparently, so as, as we're told, um, what's well, the problem? I, there? I know as a beauty therapist doing eyelash extensions, wearing I wear those masks. Everyone else wears. I've got a whole box of them. I've even been saying if anyone needs them, I actually bought another box of them when we had the fires because I was near them, and so yeah. it, I had to give them to all my Airbnb wow. guests that were staying here because they were coughing a lot. So. I wear those masks in my salon when I do lash extensions and you don't wear them for more than an hour at least. They're just short term and you need to be changing them all the time because they get quite dirty because you're breathing in the atmosphere, the pollution. And so you're always exposed to the elements. And unless you've got the proper, what are those big ones called with the... Yeah, the big Haskim ones, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense if you're wearing that outside. But when I see people wearing, oh, they're wearing them from here down. It's like, dude, do you realise? Yeah, I know. I know. So, look, I, I person, my personal uh, opinion is, well, on the masks is a little bit like yourself as well too. But um, you know, businesses are going broke. Uh, mental health issues are going through the roof. Um, so, like I said before, even if we stopped it right now and, and went back to uh, the way we used to live the ramifications and the damage that's already been done um, is going to take a long time to repair. Um, so you've got to look at it in its entirety and it's, it's too simplistic to say, oh, well, we're doing the right thing by sitting here and, and saving lives and look at the graphs and look at the curves. I'll just mention that as well too. Well, there's no transparency from the government. We're not told how these curves are. 
uh, are formulated. Give us some transparency and show us exactly how they're formulated. Give us some transparency and tell us exactly how your projections are formulated. There's no transparency there. Plus also I'll raise another interesting point. We're given all these uh, directions and uh, we're taking advice from the World Health Organization. Now the World Health Organization already have been criticized, Tedros Ananon's already been criticized for the way he tried to cover up uh, with China when uh, the spread first came out there and not uh, letting the people know, know quick enough. He's already caught flat from that, which all got swept under the carpet and it was just sort of portrayed as, oh, well, you know, um, was quickly forgotten. Plus Tedros Ananon, uh, when he was the Ethiopian foreign minister, um, was guilty of war crimes in terms of vaccinating um, uh, when the uh, cholera outbreak happened in uh, Ethiopia, um, lied about that, saying it was a uh, AWD, an acute uh, watery dysentery or something like that, which is cholera. You know, so he tried to downplay it there and hide it there. That's just one example. He was also a member of a uh, what's listed as a, a terrorist organisation on an international terrorist website. Um, he was also a member of the, uh, I forget the first name, but it was a People's Liberation Front in Ethiopia was actually a terrorist organization he was a member of that and this is the man he's the first non-physician to be the leader of the world health organization all he is is a microbiologist now he's not even a physician which i find as the leader of the world health organization quite perplexing in that alone now this is the people that we are given all the stats and all the guidance and all the figures of and they're led by a corrupt person like Surely that must raise suspicion in people from the start. I don't know. I don't think people are sort of looking at this and um, uh, and just the fear that the media creates, stay home, you put on the TV. And I haven't put on the TV in two weeks. It's just because you can't even watch a movie anymore without 65,000 ads in 10 minutes uh, guilting you into staying home and trying to patronise you into saying, oh, you're doing the right thing. It's basically you expect an arm to come out on the TV and give you a bit of a pat on the head. Good boy, you're staying home and doing what... It's just wrong. It's so wrong. You um, answered so your own question there, be, yeah. Yeah, my idea would be to... And, and people watch that and then they... It just reinforces, oh, you know, I'm doing the right thing, I'm doing the right thing. Well, no, you're not. And, you know, I had a discussion the other day with someone or yesterday on the or Sunday on the phone with a very dear friend of mine of 25 years. And this is what's happening as well, too. Friendships are being split. I was trying to explain to him, he goes, oh, well, I'm OK. I'm getting a good payout on the COVID payments right now. I said, yeah, but a lot of people aren't and a lot of people are struggling. Is that OK? He goes, oh, well, they'll be right. It's like, you can't have that attitude because no, they're not all right and they're not going to be all right and they're not right now. And this is what the what the Daniel Andrews government is doing to people over here. I mean, we've got the tightest restrictions in the country. It does not make sense. I mean, restriction. I mean, and everyone getting excited yesterday. Oh, we can go back to four people. Um, well, rightly so. How about this for an idea? How about the people who? Um, are vulnerable how about or 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 might want to have a bit of fear behind it and want to stay home stay safe no worries how about those people stay home and be safe and all the fit and healthy people we can go out about our normal way of life if you're sick got even got a little bit of the sniffles coming on you stay home you don't go anywhere and be responsible 
Pardon? That's what Sweden did. Yes. Yeah. You say, if you go to work, if you go to work and present with the sniffles, you are immediately told to go home. No questions at all. Or, or you're fired on the spot. Same. And if you say, well, that's a bit harsh, well, people are being fired on the spot for not taking a vaccination. And don't dare anyone say, no, they're not fired. They're just told they can't go back to work until they get one. Well, it's the same thing. That's just semantics. It really is. Yeah, so, they're going to lose their jobs because they don't want to have something foreign go into their system. Um, you know, I yeah. choose not to eat certain foods because I don't want something foreign in my system. So, you know, pro-choice. I have a choice. Haven't we all have a choice? Plus the price of uh, meat at the moment is just, I mean, I went and bought some uh, mince yesterday to cook up uh, a dish that I like. Not that I'm a very, I'm the world's worst cook. So anything that comes out half decent, I'm grateful for. Um, but the price of mince is like $12, $13 a kilo for mince. Like, it's just astounding. I mean, I don't know if companies are profiting off this or what they're doing. I mean, oh, that's just, a, I'm not suggesting that that's what they're doing, but I don't know, are they? Um, I will find out asking. for you. I have a dairy farmer friend who has lots of friends and I'll create a podcast. I'm just writing his name now and we're going to talk about what's going on there because that that's very interesting. I would love need to know. The people need to know why pricing is going up. Um, because, yep. you know, um, if we do nothing about it, and like you said, if we sit back and just keep watching media, uh, brainwash yeah. us to be in fear yeah. and be excited well, about one restriction being lifted, which you said four people before, uh, it's five people in your home, but they only have to be family or friends that you already um, have a relationship with. And I looked at that and I thought, oh, yeah. How, control <laughs> how controlling do you want to be? Like, seriously. So the people... But obviously, how controlling do you want to be? I mean, that's just absolutely absurd. So just on that rationale alone, so when you go to Bunnings, can you only make sure the same people that were in Bunnings last week that you went were in there as well too? Otherwise, you can't go to Bunnings. I like, like that one. Same, like, what about, you exactly know, the same rationale? odds and evens of numbers of houses? So I heard someone talking about the other day. What about, you know, all the odd P, odd numbered houses are allowed to go out shopping and then the even numbered. And when I heard someone say that, I went, are you serious? What, we're going to do that now? My odds and evens to have less. Oh, hang on, I need to get some out. milk. But I need to get, yeah, I need to get some milk, but it's a Tuesday. I've got to wait till Wednesday to get some milk. <laughs> like, say, what are you supposed to do? Just, just ask your neighbour to get some milk. Oh, but you can't come in, just drop it at the... I mean, this is the craziness we've got to, seriously. No, we, are it's all laughing. we are all thinking it's ridiculous, but the ones that aren't standing up and speaking up, it could be that they're not knowledgeable, that are not aware, and they are just in fear because of what's... Yeah, um, yeah they're in fear. Up. Like, um, I had a lot of people say to me um, on Saturday night and Sunday before that they, they were scared to come. Um, scared to scared to be there because that's because the the way the uh, media drives the fear. Now, um, another thing that the media have been lying about, and also the government haven't been completely honest about, is the stay at home directions. We are led so basically the stay at home directions, and both, once again, they're only directions. That's not law. Okay, so the governments. What people understand is governments. The constitution was put in place so corrupt people can't get into power and then write whatever laws they like. 
pretty common sense approach and, and what's needed, okay? That's why we have a constitution where people, I don't think people fully understand how important the constitution is because it is put in place so corrupt people can't rule us and get in and write whatever they laws they like, the omnibus laws because where it's got a pandemic. Well, even the pandemic alone, I, I, to my understanding, to and even on the World Health website, um, it has to the mortality rate has to reach a certain percentage level for things to be classed as a pandemic. It hadn't even got to that stage before it was classed as a pandemic. So I mean, how how that a percentage of point oh oh three of the world's population is considered a pandemic? Um, gee whiz, it should knock me down with a feather. Um, so um, where was I going? What was the original I mean, question? Sorry, Lisa. Just about on that, you did question, you know, that before, and it is because of what media was going on about what was happening in China, all those visuals that were coming out, and Italy yes. as well, what was coming out for Italy. Um, we, but we, you know, we did touch on about the elderly because it's Italy is one now, of the biggest. Uh, yeah, now, can I just population. draw your attention to? Yeah, to Italy. What happened in Italy, the uh, Italian uh, manufacturers and the leather manufacturers in the north of Italy were, were bought out by Chinese businesses. Mm. And what, what happened was uh, they flew a lot of their workers in from China. And a lot of those work, when that epicentre in Italy broke, um, broke out and was all over the news and, oh, the Italians are dropping on, they weren't actually Italian deaths. A lot of those deaths were those from those workers that they flew in from Wuhan, China that because they were living in Italy at the time were classed as Italian deaths. And that wasn't the case at all. So we're being misled about that as well too. And if people want to dispute that, we'll just do some research into the uh, Italian uh, textiles and uh, leather manufacturers in the Northern Italy being bought out by the Chinese businesses. So, you know, the whole thing has got, yeah, the whole thing's got stink written all over it, Lisa, and, and it's a great uh, rule of life that when things generally, when things don't make sense, it's always for a reason. And nothing about this makes sense at all. And the reason behind this is we're being deceived. Now, I say this to people, say, oh, people dying all over the place and COVID, COVID. Okay, so when you're looking at any problem, you've always got to trace it back to its original source. What's the original source here? The misinformation out of China. And let's be honest, this is nothing. Please don't anyone take this as a racist comment because there's some, obviously the people of China are lovely people, the, um, the residents. It's their wicked communist party. So the wickedness, the, the communist party who's committed that many human rights violations, you don't need to, to me to uh, rattle off their resume. These are the people we're trying to get information, correct and accurate information out of from a corrupt, communist, dict, uh, oppressively dictatorship, uh, authoritarian regime that we're going to trust to get the right information out of them who mm -hmm. are in bed heavily with a corrupt World Health Organization and their leader who's proven to be uh, corrupt and uh, uh, committed war crimes. So all this information we're getting that brought back from the source is from corrupt people that we're supposed to trust with our lives and it is with our lives. I mean, how come, how that doesn't raise suspicion alone, plus all the cowboyed uh, deaths that are being put down as cowboyed deaths that aren't cowboyed deaths at all. Um, so, you know, once you, I think our problem is these days as a society, we base our decision-making on emotion. 
because emotion is fed to us. It's programmed through to us. And the way we communicate now, and people again might say, well, I'm drawing a long bow here. No, I don't think so. You turn on any real, any TV show now and it's reality show after reality show after reality show. And what do these shows highlight? Even on the ads, these shows highlight that the way you communicate with people is yelling, abusing, backstabbing, gossiping, and they normalise this for people. Mm. They normalise it to say, hey, and people watch this. Now, they're not delivering that message as such, saying this is the way you communicate, but when people sit there and watch that, because... You know, shows like Married at First Sight, which should be taken off the air because all it does is promote backstabbing, gossip, bitchiness, aggressiveness, and it just pits people against pits pe uh, against other people. That's the whole premise and idea of the show is yeah, to drama. create nastiness. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we're watching that and we're, we're watching that and we're fueling ourselves, our emotions with that. And then what happens is... Yes. If you go off and talk to people and you create a conversation about, oh, did you watch, you know, maths last night? And then you create, what you do is you create a beautiful connection with your friends, which, you know, the show is indirectly helping you create a bond with your friends. But how horrible you're creating a bond with your friend based on maths. What about creating a beautiful bond with your friend based on whole foods or lifestyle? Yes. Sports. <laughs> What are you interested in? You're really good at research. You're really good at, uh, you know, um, whatever you're good at. And I've got skills here. Hey, I'm really interested in that. Can you help me out with that? That's how you create a bond with people, not over talking about gossip. I mean, gee whiz, we've got enough gossip in, um, you know, uh, in our normal lives and all the rest of it. And um, why would you want to indulge in more of it? It's, it's not entertainment. It's not funny. How is it funny promoting things like that has just got me... You know, on the whole Bachelor and Bachelorette, it's like, it's all, it's just so wrong. And people say, oh, it's no, it's entertaining. Okay, so really, like, if you want to watch that for your entertainment, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, disrespecting if that's what you want to do. But don't get drawn into the narrative and what the whole show's trying to do. And it's just create, just to, to create division. Sorry, just lost me for a sec. Get me back. Yeah, I've just got a call come through. Sorry. Um, it is creating right. a division, but what you're doing, well, what you did uh, do on Sunday when you arrived at the steps of Parliament in Melbourne was to create uh, for yourself uh, the opposite community. Exactly. Now, I just want to wrap that up. Now, this is not, I'm not being derogatory about the people that are, that are on the TV show because they put their names forward in good faith to go on it. And don't forget, most of the vision that you see will be on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Okay, so there's obviously a lot of nice and wonderful uh, uh, interactions with those people on the show, no doubt. But that's not shown. Just the negative side of it's shown. Well, they might show snippets of the nice interaction, but it's predominantly negative. So, and then those people are signed, uh, made to sign a um, silence for 12 months. They can't speak about it for 12 months. So obviously out in the public, they would like to say, oh, no, 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 this wasn't the case at all. So I actually feel for those people sometimes as well too, for the way they're portrayed as well too. Because I had a friend on Big Brother once and uh, the way they portrayed her was just to be an absolute mega bitch. And she's not. She's just a very opinionated person and sticks her ground. Uh, she's a very kind-hearted person. But the way they portrayed her was yeah so she come out and she was fuming when she seen the footage and spoke to her friends when she got out of the house she was absolutely fuming
So, um, yeah. So, look, and once again, I'm not having a crack at all the people that work at TV stations. There's wonderful people that work at TV stations and do a great job, but they're pressured by their bosses to drive a certain narrative, which is wrong. Do you know what's really funny? Big Brother's coming out this year, probably when the lockdown's going to be completely lifted. I'd love to see how many people are going to actually be watching it. Why would we want Absolutely. to go in lockdown yeah. when we've just they been there? About... <laughs> they could have showed about 6,000 episodes of Big Brother in all the houses around Australia at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, so let's, let's watch a show about... We've all been led into lockdown. Let's watch a show about people being locked down the house together. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. bring it again. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy Mummy Podcast is self-funded. If you feel what I do is important and you would like to see more, please consider making a donation. PayPal.me forward slash Lisa Jane Hussey.